Cabin the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is the Marquette Golden Eagles season preview. Yes, we are talking Golden Eagles basketball. We're going to talk about storylines and questions. We're going to talk about the best games on the Marquette schedule and maybe look at their odds for the Final Four, the National Championship, and to win the Big East. And if anything, is worth an investment since on Fridays we do talk a little bit about best bets. We're going to also get into a hodgepodge of other things. Uh, we have so much to talk about otherwise. Craig Council basically making the Brewers have to match what he's been offered by other teams. This is a very interesting storyline. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Rams and Packers. We're going to talk about the Badgers in Indiana. We're going to also talk about the Bucks Knicks tonight. Uh, so that's all going to be covered today, I think. I, I, I don't know if we're going to be getting everything in, but this is the day that you are tapped in here. And make sure that you're following along on Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok or Facebook for that matter. If you are joining specially because of the Marquette program, I can tell you right now, we're going to talk a lot of Marquette basketball on the podcast as well as on Twitter. Uh, we'll have things for Instagram, TikTok. So wherever you're you're using the social media platforms, make sure you're following along. And if you like what you hear today, uh, make sure that you're subscribed, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's anywhere else. We're on Overcast. We should be on Amazon. Like, if we're not somewhere where you're listening to podcasts, please let me know. I will make sure to get that handled. And if you feel so kindly, leave a review. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, we had our first negative review uh, on the thing that Mitch and I did for opening night, where a guy, was, his name was like Freckleminster, shout out, was like pretty terrible stuff. And I can't love that anymore. Like, I really appreciate that. Um, I, and like, you'll say, oh, Charlie, this is you being thin-skinned. No, I've always thought when you start having haters, that's when you're starting to make it a little bit. So it feels good. Uh, we had another guy who criticized my Rasul Douglas video that he did on X. And he then, before I could even re reply to him, he blocked me. So I was like, all right, man, I, I guess that's how you, uh, how you roll. Uh, which is, hey man, everybody does social media a little bit differently, but all right. Let's talk about Marquette basketball in one of the more exciting seasons to be a Golden Eagle basketball fan. Before we head into questions and storylines, I don't think that there has been ever a time that I've been more excited for Marquette basketball. I think the 2003 year with Dwayne Wade and Steve Novak and Travis Diener, it, I won't say that it came out of nowhere, but I think at my age, right, where I was in eighth grade at the time, I was, you know, there was so much going on. I wasn't as dialed in as I am today. And throughout, you know, my years, there have been great Marquette seasons. You know, obviously the ones with Buzz Williams, Steve Wojciechowski had some promise here and there. Tom Crean had a couple teams that were worth getting excited over but nothing to this magnitude. This is uncharted territory for the Marquette Golden Eagles. They bring 85% of their roster back from last season. They did not bring anyone in 
from the transfer portal. None of the guys left Marquette. They all stayed in Milwaukee for the chance to get redemption of what happened in the NCAA tournament, losing in the second round to Michigan State. For just a second there, take a step back and think about all the things that I just provided to you. Those are incredible in the landscape of college basketball. And let's also be 100% honest here. They'd have their entire roster back if Omax didn't do awesome in the NBA draft combine. If Omax doesn't have an awesome combine, he might've came back and we might've seen an entire Marquette roster back for another year which would have been phenomenal and out of this world, but I don't blame Omax one fucking bit for leaving for the NBA and getting a guaranteed contract. Absolutely, go get your money, young man. But 85% are back. Nobody left for the transfer portal. There's no reliance on transfers. Now, I'm not anti-transfer portal, don't get me wrong. I'm not your 65-year-old father, but I, I am saying like, there is something special to that that builds a bond that builds a relationship with the team and you know shaka smart loves relationships and so i think that that makes it more special and it takes it to another level and it's definitely a palate cleanser for what you watched with the Green Bay Packers this season. And I know some of you are Bears fans because there's a lot of Chicago crossover, but it's still a palate cleanser. It still feels fucking good. And there's just an excitement about Marquette basketball that really hasn't been there forever. And maybe not forever, but I, I you know, I, it's since the late 70s, right? Like that's the last time it has been at this much of a fever pitch. It's impossible. I, I haven't looked at a lot of single game stuff because I've lucky enough have a mini pack. Uh, my guy KB rocks too. Shout out, he hooked me up with some tickets for the Texas game. So like I, I'm already good. Like I, I already have five games. I think we have some National Marquette stuff working. Like we're gonna be okay. I'm gonna be in the Fiserv a few times watching Marquette. But if you want to check out Marquette at this point. You might be shit out of luck, especially in the big games. You better know some friends or you better know some clients or you better know some neighbors that have Marquette tickets because that place is going to be a sellout night in, night out when the big boys are in town. Now, is it going to be packed for Northern Illinois? I don't know, actually. I'll be I'll actually be curious to see what the crowd looks like on Monday night. But I, I really think that this is going to be kind of something that takes the Milwaukee area by storm. I think it's going to be a really big deal here in the city and in the surrounding counties. And I I do think that those people who are, you know, kind of in the middle where they they like both teams, they cheer for Mar, uh, Marquette unless they're playing Wisconsin. And I know those people make the diehards of the Golden Eagles you know, want to like do a scrunchy face like they just ate something sour and, or like the sourest beer they've ever had. Like I, I realized that shit bothers them. That said, they exist. And I, I wonder, will more of them be Marquette first this season? Because everybody likes to jump on a bandwagon. 
So yeah, it, it is just an incredible year. I'm so excited for it. And let's get into it, huh? Let's talk about the questions. Let's talk about the storylines. Let's talk about some of the biggest games on the schedule. And I will add this before we, we get into it. What makes it, I think, a, a notch cooler is the Big East might be the best conference in college basketball. So not only do you have this incredible backdrop with the 85%, with the unfinished business, with all these guys, you know, you no know, transport, like all just guys you know. You also add to the fact the Big East is fucking good. And they have a ton of storylines. UConn won the national championship. Creighton brings a ton of their guys back. St. John's has Rick Pitino, who is the college basketball version of Dion, in a weird, fucked up way. You have Ed Cooley going from Providence to Georgetown. You have Providence having a sneaky kind of good team, but with a very young coach. How is that, that going to work? You have Villanova, who's under the radar, but I don't know if their coach is good. There are storylines about almost every fucking team in the Big East. And I, I just, I, it's going to be incredible night in, night out watching Big East basketball. If you're listening to this and you're not a college basketball fan, and maybe you don't like Marquette because you're a hater, I would watch Big East basketball all, all winter long. It is going to be excellent viewing night in, night out. And it's not just Marquette. But Marquette right now is the king of the castle until otherwise proven. All right, let's start with the questions and storylines that we have before we get into the games. And a lot of this is, you know, about the Marquette players and just, you know, bigger picture, bigger topic sort of things. And I, I think number one is can they handle being hunted this season? So we talked about this a couple times, you know, leading into the year, right? That when they got the preseason number six ranking, I said, all right, targets on your back to start the year. I will say that I know Shaka is preaching this night in, night out. I know that he is drilling them to the point of like, hey, the, you guys are the hunted. Like you cannot, you're not the hunter. There's no fucking mentality. You can still have the fucking mentality, but the chip on your shoulder is a chip that you have to manufacture because everybody's going to want to knock you off. It is going to be a skin for everyone else's season if they beat Marquette. It is a big deal for the small schools like your Northern Illinois and your Siena who play opening week. And your schools like Illinois, UCLA, Texas, where I, Texas is going to be good and Illinois will be all right. But maybe UCLA, there's a lot of question marks about UCLA's team. Maybe they need a win against Marquette to help their, help their NCAA tournament bubble hopes, right? Or Notre Dame for that matter, even though that's at home. Like Marquette is going to get everybody's best effort. We've just had this conversation about our Milwaukee Bucks, and you can listen to us talk about that on Tabby the Keg episode 20, 527 yesterday. If you're curious or you're new to the program, you have to come with it every fucking night. And will there be games where Marquette slips up or all of a sudden they're in a dogfight? Like maybe it's St. Thomas, a total example. But like maybe that all of a sudden it's 65, 65 with three minutes left and Twitter's losing their fucking mind 
because Marquette is on the ropes against a unranked St. Thomas team. Yeah, that's possible because that is part of being the hunted. You got to come with it every night. I think Marquette's going to be all right with it. I think the fact that they have a really tough non-conference schedule is actually a good thing because you're not going to be sucking your own dick, right? You're going to be coming with it all the time and you can't necessarily slip up. And there is a world where Marquette is a bad non-conference season and they're you know, ranked 20th to start the Big East season. And people are kind of down on Marquette and saying, well, what happened? Like, what's, you know, what is missing? You know, I, I, I highly doubt that could happen, but we've seen it in college basketball before. We've seen it in college football before where a team comes in with a ton of expectations and they just don't, do not live up to the hype. Now, could Marquette climb all the way back and all of a sudden they are, you know, a top three seed in the NCAA tournament? For sure. That's certainly on the table. I, I think, though, that they are set up for success. And they are set up to have a really good first half of the year. And I, I think that, you know, playing teams like Creighton early on is going to be a great thing for this team. You know, you get Villanova at home. The meat of your schedule. I The, the thing that's nice about the Big East schedule portion of it, not the non-con, there isn't, there's a stretch of road games that I want to talk about later, but there, there isn't a ton that I, I look at where I'm like, wow, this could get this could get really nasty. Maybe at the very end of the year, uh, but depends on how you feel about Xavier. I mean, Xavier right now looks good on paper, but they've lost a lot, man. And they have, Sean Miller is a good coach, but that's I, I think that's going to kind of be a linchpin for how hard Marquette's season could be. And maybe it's, you know, maybe the Big East isn't as good as we think it is. And maybe it does look a little bit brighter for Marquette. But yeah, I think they can handle being haunted. I think that they, you know, with all the different opponents that they'll face, they'll they'll get a clear picture of this. There's no way that they will sleepwalk early on in this season. I, I'd be stunned if they had a bad loss. Like obviously any of the teams, Northern Illinois, Riders, Southern, even Notre Dame for that matter, St. Thomas, like I would be so surprised if they slept walk in any of those games. What more can we expect out of Tyler Kolick? I, I think it's a really interesting question, right? Because Tyler Kolick was an All-American, his Big East Player of the Year. He is on probably the wooden watch. Well, he is on the wooden watch, but he's probably one of the top five players for Player of the Year this year for all of college basketball. And he's, he's really fucking good. And I think, I hope that he's not going to try to basically make himself more attractive to the NBA draft world, right? Like that is my kind of fear, I guess, is that Tyler Kolick will be performing for scouts. I, I think that he, you know, has a good head on his shoulders. And I, I don't think that that is going to be, you know, a thing. But I, I do worry about it slightly. I think it's a, a touch of concern. But I think Tyler Kolick has the ability to take his game, you know, to a level that has been unseen at Marquette, right? Just the passing ability, the scoring ability. I think that you're going to get just a Swiss army knife of awesomeness out of Tyler Kolick. And I, I still think that he is going to be great. 
I just worry slightly about impressing NBA scouts, especially in those big game, big non-conference games like your Illinois, like your Maui games, things like that. Like, I just, I do worry slightly about that. But it, again, it's not something that I'm running for the hills and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a concern. Tyler Kolek had just an incredible season last year. And I think that he's going to be, he's just going to try to build on it. And he's just going to try to run it back. And he's just going to try to continue to, you know, take out some of the bad, you know, moments in, in his game, right? Where he forces shots or, you know, he's, he's trying to kind of make his shot happen when, you know, it's just not there for him. I think those are the, the things that maybe Cola can improve upon. But there's not there's not a ton of meat on on the bone there. Talakul just needs to keep being awesome and keep being the guy that we saw last season. I think it would be a very very much a surprise to see him take a step back. Right. Other questions, other storylines. Can be, can Oso Iguodaro be a All American this year? I, I think so. I think if there was a guy who could actually be better than Tyler Kolek this year, it's also a guitar. I love Oso's game. I've called him Desert Bear for the last two years. I think Oso could be an absolute force. He's shoot, he shot some threes in, pra- in practice stuff, and we've seen a little bit of him extending the floor a bit. We, he, he's absolutely dominant in the pick and roll. Damon Giannis should watch the Oso Kolek pick and roll because it is a, as tough of a play to stop in college basketball. Oso had more dunks than than I think one Marquette team in the last like 20 years that came from paint touches. I think I have that right. I hope I have that right. Uh, just like incredible stuff from Oso Iguodaro. And that's where I think like he could have this, he's already like a top tier player in our eyes, I think, in Marquette fans' eyes, but I think nationally, like Oso could have that Kolek-like year. And I think if he does a little more, you know, in the mid-range, maybe hits a couple threes, he's a little bit better of a rebounder. Like, I think you could have, and in the foul trouble too. I think that's another huge part of it. He can stay out of foul trouble. He's playing more minutes. All of a sudden, Oso Yudara like takes his game to a next level. And he becomes an All-American and a guy who probably gets drafted. I don't know if he'll be drafted lottery, but it's a bad draft. I mean, everyone will tell you that. But I definitely a first-rounder. And I think Shaka's hit rate with big guys has been great. And I could really see this massive sort of step for Oso in terms of being nationally known, not just a fan favorite and a guy who we think is great. Other things, who has a better chance of breaking out, Stevie Mitchell or David Joplin? Everybody's on the Jop wagon. I don't blame you for being on the Jop wagon. He's in shape. He is like 225. He's hitting everything apparently in practice. Like he's been very good to start in terms of like the hype around him is very real. That said, David Joplin has struggled defensively. David Joplin really has not been a strong defender in his career at Marquette. So the question is, is can Marquette figure out a way to hide David Joplin defensively? That to me is gonna be one of the major non-conference focuses for Marquette, is can David Joplin be out on the floor with everybody and his defense is able to be hidden, right? 
Uh, and that's that's going to be a challenge. And But he can really, really shoot it. And if he gets hot, man, look the fuck out. Like, he has... His three-point game is so interesting because it's it's kind of... It's not like Marcus Howard. Marcus Howard and even Andrew Rousey were like... Just they were rising fire, right? And Joplin is, but it's, it's a rhythm thing. And he gets it in the corner and... Kolek's always looking for him. And then when he knows Joplin's hot, he is absolutely feeding him. And it like, um, what do you do if David Joplin gets hot? And then you you give all this attention to David Joplin. Oh, there goes Kolek. There goes Oso. Like this is why this team can be just so fucking awesome this year. And I think that's why everybody's very high on Joplin. But Stevie Mitchell, remember, Stevie Mitchell came in and he was a scorer. We have not really seen that from Stevie Mitchell. He is the ultimate glue guy. He is an absolute dog, just a complete motherfucker on the perimeter in terms of defense, right? But I I do wonder, will we see a step up for Stevie Mitchell? Could Stevie Mitchell kind of fill in the OMAX points? I think we expect that to be Joplin, but why can't Mitchell play a role in that? Why can't Mitchell be a guy that, you know, is taking it to the lane, making the occasional three. Like, I I could see Stevie Mitchell having a pseudo breakout. Maybe not to the level of Joplin. Like, Joplin, I mean, his ceiling could be first-team All-Big East this year. That's a a ceiling. I think that's a fair ceiling. Stevie could be, you know, honorable mention, maybe third-team. Like, I I think that 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 is there for him if his picks up his scoring because defense is is incredible and his defense is really good. And you're going to have him out there, you know, in terms of that two guard system with him and Kolek. It's a undersized guard guard combo. I'll I'll admit to that. And I think that is the fear is that they they might be too small. And we're going to talk about defensive rebound here in a second. But like they have to... They have to figure, you know, that you're going to get a lot of Stevie Mitchell. And I, I do think there's a, there's a potential for a breakout. I would lean Joplin, though. All right, other breakout questions. Part two, better chance for a breakout, Chase Ross or Ben Gold? I'm on Chase Ross Island. Um, I have all the supplies. I've built a tiki hut. Um, yeah, I, I am all aboard. Uh, Ross the boss, man. Like... That guy can change, kind of change an attitude of a gym with his dunks. Like he could posterize somebody and that whole crowd could go absolutely bananas. Uh, he is a game breaker. I think he's a re- he's a solid wing defender. I wouldn't say he's great, but I, I think that there is something there in terms of his wing defending and his athleticism alone. I, he's not exactly... You know, a guy that I, I've seen, you know, really fill up the basket just yet. But I, I do think that that is there. And I, I think that his sort of athleticism, when you combined all the other things that Marquette is throwing at you, there is a world where Ross is actually the starter over Joplin. And that we see Chase Ross as the fifth guy on this Marquette team. That it's Tyler Kolick. Stevie Mitchell, Cam Jones, Chase Ross, and also Iguodara. Like, I, that, that is on the table. That, that is very much a possibility for Marquette this year. And Chase Ross has, you know, all the, the, the tool set, right? Like, the skill set's there for him to have a massive season. 
I think for Ben Gold, it's just he has to get tougher. He really struggled in terms of defensive rebounds last year. Uh, it was not his strong suit. And he, there were some moments for Ben Gold where you had, okay, yeah, there's Ben Gold moment here and there, uh, to quote Brian Anderson, if you will. But I, we didn't see it enough from Ben Gold. And I just wonder, is he a year away from it really coming together? Like, that would not surprise me at all. If next year we're talking about kind of the Ben Gold island. I, I still think he can be a contributor. The, the Marquette does not have a lot of size. So you're going to you're going to need something out of Ben Gold this year, but I just wonder, you know, how much are you going to get? Charlie, did you forget about Cam Jones? Is the next question. I didn't forget about Cam Jones. I love Cam Jones. I think Cam Jones is an absolute bucket getter. I think he's another guy who, if he gets hot, it's like clear the gym, look out. I loved what Cam Jones did around the rim last year. Like every time Cam Jones put a shot up, I thought it was going in around the rim. I think for Cam Jones, it's really about not forcing his shot. And I do think Cam Jones could, I don't know if he could ascend to like what we just talked about with Iguodara a little while ago. Um, I, I just, I think with Kolek, there's, there's not enough there. Um, I, I think both Cam and Kolek play well off each other. I, I'd be curious to see, you know, what the Mitchell Jones lineups would look like. Now, you don't want to take Kolek out of the game too much, but I, I do wonder, couldn't you steal some minutes? Is there a way that you can give Kolek some breathers, especially early on in this season? Not necessarily load manage, but you have a ton of talent on this team. Are there ways you can get creative so you're not burning out Tyler Kolick earlier in the year? And, and yeah, he got hurt. He had the thumb issue down the stretch. But I, I just wonder, is that is that feasible? Is that on the table? Uh, I, I like a lot of the stuff from Cam Jones, though. I think it's just important that he's able to kind of pick, it, pick up the pieces. The, the biggest thing, I think, for Cam Jones is really making sure that if he has a bad first half, that he can he can have a good second half. Like that's a lot. I think a lot of the times he really struggles in that first half. And when he struggles in the first half, not that he always struggles, but when he does, it's a complete no-show the rest of the game. And you need to see if that can improve. I think that's the kind of that moxie, if you will, composure. Like he has to just keep that and just try to find easy buckets. And they'll start falling. And sometimes it's down your night. And that's okay. And then contribute other ways. Marquette's lack of rebounding could be its death sentence. Look, Marquette does bring 85% of the team back from last year. If there's one thing that Marquette could have done in the transfer portal, it was get a big, big guy who could rebound, right? They don't really have that. We already talked about Ben Gold not really rebounding. Osa Gudara, he rebounds, right? But it's one, that's one guy. They have to be absolutely menaces defensively. And they're going to have to win games while giving up a lot on the offensive glass. I looked at the two UConn games they won this year, last year. And I was like, okay, UConn, one of the better rebounding teams in the country. We, that was the biggest worry when Marquette would face UConn. UConn still got their offensive rebounds. UConn got 14 in the one that Marquette won in Milwaukee. They got 16 in the one that they won in 
No, is it 16? I don't think it was that many. It, yeah, I think it was. It was that's and that's wild. That's a ton of rebounds. And that was in the game, the Madison Square Garden Classic. Yes, 16 offensive rebounds. And Marquette still won the game. Uh, Sonogo and Newton had nine combined. Like, Marquette is going to need to figure out how they can win without rebounding. Is that possible? I, I don't know. It's not to say they don't rebound, right? Like, that, I, I don't, I'm not trying to sell Marquette short. But they are just an undersized basketball team. And now you don't have Omax, who's 6'8". And David Joplin is 6'7 in your media guides. But is he really 6'7"? Chase Ross plays bigger than 6'4". They are a small team. And how are you able to mitigate that? If ben, If Ben Gold got a little stronger, got a little more physical, and becomes a rebounding threat... That's a complete game changer. I'm not banking on that. I'm not saying, all right, yeah, Ben Gold's going to be the difference here and he's going to be the one that helps out Marquette. I just, I think they're going to need to figure out that portion. And if it's just, we turn them over, we make sure that we possess, you know, we just run them out the gym and we tire them out and that's where rebounding won't matter, maybe. And we're relentless defensively. Maybe that's what it is. But that, that is my biggest worry uh, with this team. And I, I think, I have to think that's everybody's biggest worry. I don't think anyone is, you know, not, you know, know they know what's up. They get it, right? Number seven, uh, Marquette has a real shot to be number one in the country at some point this season. I Like, I, I never thought that that would be the case in my lifetime. That Marquette, I'd see Marquette as the number one team in the country. But it's it's there. I mean, it's a few losses here and there. And all of a sudden, Marquette finds themselves at number one. They only have five teams to go ahead. If they win in Maui, they're going to be number one. I will tell you that right now. If Maui breaks the way it, it should break, they're going to be number one in the country. And that's unbelievable. Uh, but long way to go. I hope that they get that chance. Like, I really do. I think that would be an awesome in-season accomplishment. And I wonder if that's something they talk about. If they talk about being the number one team in the country. I, I doubt it, but I wouldn't be... I, I, I bet Shaka doesn't talk about it, but I guarantee you when Cam Jones and, and Kolik are hanging out or they're shooting around, they're like, man, that'd be cool, right? Like, you have to. I don't know. Does that matter? I, I think that's just, maybe I'm a nerd about this, but there's something cool about being the number one team in the country. But yeah, we'll see. And, and who knows? Maybe Kansas goes undefeated and Kansas is the number one team until, you know, February. But yeah, that's, that's why they play the games, as they, as they say. All right, a couple more. Who do you want to beat the most this season? Wisconsin, UConn, or others? Great question. Tail of the tape, Wisconsin. They beat Marquette last year in an overtime classic. A great game. Chucky Hadburn, absolutely out of his fucking gourd. Chuck Smart has not beat Wisconsin his first two times as Marquette, Marquette's head coach. And then you have UConn, who they did beat two out of three last year. UConn fan base is obsessed with Marquette. It is the weirdest online rivalry. 
Uh, they are more focused on Marquette than they are the fact they won a national championship. And so beat their ass in UConn would be kind of fun. But that would be more of an online, like, who do you want to win? And then other, obviously, there are many other teams we could mention there. I, I think it's Wisconsin. I think going into the Kohl Center and beating Wisconsin and kind of checking that box for Shaka Smart as a Madison native, I think would be really fucking cool. So I, I will say Wisconsin. I don't have the deep-seated hate that some of my buddies do and some of you that are probably listening, but I, I still think that that would be the, t- the top, top of the table. Games that will be the spiciest, little subtopic, and we're going to talk games to watch here in a second. UConn, Xavier, Creighton, and maybe Georgetown. Ed Cooley, I don't know. Ed Cooley and Chaka, I, I don't know. I, there's always a little something in those, those games. Lastly, I plan my Portugal trip perfectly with Marquette's schedule. Get ahead of it early. I'm going to be at Port, in Portugal from February 18th to March 1st, okay? That is when I will be gone. Uh, you will not have podcasting. If Mitch is actually does his job, maybe we'll get you know podcast a week from Mitch. Maybe I'll tape some stuff with Murph pre-draft. Who knows? We'll figure. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. We'll have some sort of content for you. I have no idea yet. Not gonna make any promises, but I, we'll we'll take care of it. So that said, I looked at Marquette's schedule because I booked this with my wife, and my wife was really about it. And we talked about when to go, and we were like December, January, February. And I said I'd go in January. I said, look, like, yeah, football's going on, Marquette's going on, but I would go. I would go, it's something she really wants to do. And we looked at the calendar and the least amount of rain and the start of spring is in February. So we are basically trying to catch early spring in Portugal, basically. And Portugal is gorgeous in spring, but it's also really expensive in spring. So we are trying to catch it. And it just so happens that we're going the week after the Super Bowl. It just so happens that I will leave the country the day after Marquette plays UConn. It just so happens I will be home when Marquette plays Creighton in in Omaha on that Saturday. It'd be jet lagged to shit, but I'll be home. I'll be there. And yeah, I missed three. I missed three games. I missed Xavier. I missed DePaul, and I missed Providence. And they're all at home, so that sucks. I will admit that that sucks. I don't have tickets for any of those games, but probably could have found my way into one of those games. That sucks. I will admit that that's kind of unfortunate, but can't be any better, man. And I I look forward to uh, checking in uh, on Marquette scores as I'm as I'm headed to bed in Portugal. Um, or else we go to Netherlands for a couple days too. So yeah, I, I will definitely try my best for that Xavier game. I think what's that? Is that at like one o'clock? So that'd be like seven Portugal time, eight Portugal. Oh, it's four o'clock. Oh man, that sucks. Cause that means that's 11. It's about 11 o'clock start time. So right when I'm going to bed, but we'll, we'll figure it out. If you guys got any suggestions, I'm not saying I'm going to bring a computer, but if you have any VPN suggestions, um, I'm all ears for, uh, for that. My wife probably won't be happy about it, but that's okay. That's another story for another time. All right, let's do games to watch. I also realized, by the way, uh, we're supposed to do another part of the show and we're already at the 36 minute mark of this uh, podcast. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do a part two and just do a separate podcast. 
So I'm just gonna house it all here and you're gonna get a Marquette preview and then you're gonna get the rest of it. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll have to see here, but going long, that's all right. That's, I, I owe it to the Marquette people. And I know, uh, I know you guys are, are tuned in, so I appreciate it. All right, games to watch. I was gonna originally split this up by non-conference and conference, but we're gonna bring it all together. Number one is UConn Marquette, February 17th, 2 p.m. on Fox. It's a Saturday. I'm, I think I'm already ready for that game. Uh, it's the first meeting between the two teams since the Big East Classic. Uh, Marquette really struggled against UConn in Connecticut last year. Uh, I think there you know, we added motivation heading into that game. UConn, there's a lot of question marks about that team. They do have Tristan Newton back. Donovan Clinton-Lane, the big, big man inside. They got Cam Spencer out of the transfer portal. They have a very talented, oh, I forget the name, the kid's name. They have a talented freshman, Stefan Castle. So like, I, yeah, they, they have a team, good team and UConn's gonna kind of be bringing it. They should at that point be figured it all out. And so we'll, we'll have to see, but that's definitely a game that's on my radar. Marquette Creighton in Milwaukee on December 30th. You know, Creighton, Creighton and Marquette, you know, played an absolute classic uh, last season in Omaha. Uh, Shaka dancing after the game to the Creighton crowd. Uh, obviously, Creighton's going to want a little bit of revenge. They never played Marquette in the Big East tournament because Creighton would lose early. At, yeah, they lost, yeah, Creighton. Oh, no, they lost to Xavier. Excuse me. They didn't lose early. But anyways, uh, that's going to be a matchup. That's going to be an awesome crowd day before uh, New Year's Eve, 1 p.m. No one's going to be working. Everybody's going to be boozed up for that game. I'll be there. I think I'm at that one. Yeah, I'm at that one. So I'll be be there myself. Like that should be a lot of fun. Great test for them in terms of Callbrenner and Schneiderman. They bring that whole team back besides Nemhard. They do bring in Stephen Ashworth, uh, a grad transfer from Utah Valley. So like we'll, we'll or Utah State, excuse me. So we'll see uh, what Creighton looks like. But there's a lot of hype around Creighton. So Marquette's first look with the Jays early uh, before the new year. And then Marquette St. John's uh, in the garden on January 17th. It is a 11 a.m. game. Uh, so you start your day with some Golden Eagles basketball before you you launch yourself into NFL playoffs. Should be an awesome fucking day. Uh, and that should be a great game. Uh, just Marquette kind of shook the garden demons last year. And now we don't fear the garden. And first look at Patino's St. John's team. Uh, St. John's does come for National Marquette Day uh, about a month after that. Uh, they have so many new guys. Uh, I'd be very curious to see how it all comes together for, for Slick Rec. Uh, I wish we were playing St. John's earlier. That is kind of unfortunate that you don't get St. John's like in that December time period. I also look forward to how Rick will feel about a National Marquette Day at 5 o'clock. In the, in the evening, I can't imagine that'll feel great. But yeah, that's definitely number three for me. Number four is Marquette, Wisconsin. We already kind of touched on it. You know, Shaka has not beat Wisconsin. That's one thing that he has not checked off his list. Uh, December 2nd, 11.30 a.m. I, I don't know about you guys, but I do the Santa ride with my in-laws that morning. So I will be in my cups by 11.30. And I can't wait. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. That, that is a day where I'm telling you, if you haven't, so I should, so you guys are probably, was Santa, right? If you live in Milwaukee, there are a bunch of drink, Santa, you just drink as Santas at Lakefront. 
and you just get drunk and it's a blast. Some people ride their bikes. I don't ride my bike. I just hang out and drink. And yeah, Marquette at 11.30 is perfect because guess what? It usually wraps up around that. And we, me, my wife and I, will find ourselves at a bar for Marquette of Wisconsin. Number five, Marquette, UCLA, Maui Invitational, 10.30 on a Monday night. Uh, that, will, uh, that will be a test of wills because that game will wrap at 12.30. I, I don't... Right now, I will say no podcast after, but I, I, you never know. UCLA has a ton of big guys. Uh, Adam Bona is a big man inside. They also have a 7'3 freshman. His name escapes me at the moment. Oh, I got it. It is, what's his name? Ade Mara, uh, who is 7'3 too. Uh, yeah, they, the, the rebounding will get tested. We'll know how they're able to rebound against a UCLA team that's sort of in a rebuilding, quote unquote, uh, with losing all their guys from last year. Um, so that that's a game that I it might matter a little more to UCLA. Marquette being in Maui, last game of the day, a lot of body clock stuff, right? Because that's 10.30 our time. You know, it's only 8.30 for UCLA. And Marquette and UCLA have had their battles uh, pre-Shaka Smart. So we'll see if they're able to take advantage and win that one. And then lastly, Marquette, Illinois. To me, it's a more fascinating matchup. I think Illinois is going to get better as the year goes on. Actually, Marquette has a huge advantage in that game, being that's the third game of the season. I don't know if it's a third game for Illinois. It doesn't matter. But Illinois is all you know, kind of wings and, and big guys, like Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon. And yeah, Hawkins rebounding will test Marquette as well. But their guards are brand new. And I can't think of a worse team to play when your guards are brand new. Now, Illinois Stadium, Assembly Hall, very tough place to play. Uh, definitely not an easy one to get a win out of. Uh, but I do think that Marquette not only can win that game, I think there is a massive coaching advantage between Shaka Smart and Brad Underwood. Uh, Field of 68, which I really love, I think they do a great job. Their daddy Brad commentary about Brad Underwood is possibly the cringiest thing on the fucking internet. Like, I, I just, I, I don't get it at all. I like, I don't know, calling someone else daddy, like, like really? I, I just, I don't know, man, whatever. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I think Marquette has a really good chance in that game. And that, I, the more I dug into that matchup, the more I'm like, okay, I, I feel weirdly better now about the non-conference because you have two road Big East, Big Ten games, excuse me, and you have to face UCLA, potentially Kansas. We didn't talk about that because don't put the cart before the horse. But yeah, I mean, the Maui works out. You could essentially play UCLA, Kansas, Purdue. I'm sure Marquette would want a rematch against Purdue after what happened last last season uh, with the Gavit game. So we'll we'll have to see it there. All right. That does it for our Marquette preview. I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you're new to the program, just a reminder, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, Tapping the Keg Sports. You can subscribe. We'll talk about Marquette basketball. We also talk about Wisconsin sports. So if you're a Bears fan or you're a Cubs fan, like probably going to have a lot of that. But we always put timestamps on our podcast so you know exactly where where everything is. So you know where you can find everything, where you can skip to. If you're like, I just want to hear him for Marquette, 
That's what we're there for. We'll talk about Marquette on Tuesday's show after their Northern Illinois game. First impressions of the Golden Eagles as they take on the Huskies of Northern Illinois. All right. So you've got basically a whole show already. We're at 45 or so, and we still have a lot to talk about. We still have a lot of meat on that bone. This is like a cowboy ribeye at Schwarz's in New Holstein, Wisconsin. If never been, highly recommend. Great prime rib. My wife had that at Supper Club if you're not, uh, you haven't picked up yet. Great onion, I don't even know what to call them. They're like onion fries. They're onion rings technically, but they're just, and they're massive. You get a ton. It's so fucking good, guys. It's about a little over an hour from Brookfield. Uh, not a awesome drive. Uh, it's pitch black. Uh, so I don't know if it's a great one to do, you know, in the fall slash winter. Winter especially not, because you got a lot of winding roads. Unless you're very confident in your driving abilities, which I am not. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, so yeah, we have a lot of meat to talk about. I, I can't be talking about supper clubs here. Moving on to other Marquette, non-Marquette topics, uh, starting with Craig Council. Got some real news about Craig Council uh, from Todd Rosiak, who reported that Craig Council is asking the Brewers to match what has been giving to, given to him in outside markets. And Craig Council is asking for the Brewers to pony up and for the Brewers to pay him what he is worth. Will the Brewers do it is the biggest question. Will the Brewers let Craig Council walk out the door? This is a inflection point for Mark Annasia. This is a moment for Mark. And I can't imagine that Mark Annasia doesn't know that he has a pretty low Q rating in the state of Wisconsin, more in the city of Milwaukee. That he is considered cheap. I'm sure he's seen the cheap ass memes. I'm sure he heard the boos after they won the division because he did get booed, which was, I thought, Bush League. They, he knows all of this. His PR team has briefed him. His marketing team has briefed him. He knows this. Mark Ananasio can either double bird that and turn away even more of the fan base and basically drive home that he is Herb Cole, a better looking Herb Cole, with a little more opportunity to win. Or he can say, fuck you all. I'm not cheap. I pay money when it matters. And they pony up and they pay Craig Council. That is the decision that Mark Ananasio has in front of him. I, I, look, I have no idea where it's going to go. I have zero idea at this point. I don't have anything sourced. I don't have anything I could tell you. I do wonder, will they do things creatively, right? You see this with the Packers where you kind of do a salary where it's spaced out, where it's, you know, it's not necessarily all at once. Maybe it's a little bit backloaded. Maybe it's not, you know, the same amount of money every year. Maybe it's, you know, a base salary and then there's, there's bonuses that go, you know, to a certain level. I saw my guy, I think it was Jack Steen Stern. Yeah, Jack Stern, sorry. Uh, who said he'd pay up to $10 million a year for Craig Council? I probably would too. I, I will ask this question though about Craig Council. So say Mark Ananasio does pay for Craig Council. And let's say they decline Mark Canna's option on Monday. 
Marcana has a $12 million option. The Brewers can choose to pick up or not pick up. What do people, will people get, will they say, well, Mark's still cheap? Or will they at least acknowledge when it matters, Mark pays? That's the part that I wonder about. Because I, I talked about it on yesterday's show, how I felt like nobody acknowledged the fact that the Brewers completely fixed their fan fest after last year. That all these people that were bitching and moaning and crying about it didn't acknowledge and say, hey, the Brewers did a nice thing. Or the San Diego Padres story where the Padres were overinvested and everyone wanted to spend like the Padres. And it turns out that the Padres can't even spend like that. But no one acknowledged that. No one said, hey, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I fucked this up. Oh, good on the Brewers for fixing this and doing something not only for the community or, you know, not only to get, you know, people, you know, an event that they love and, you know, order autograph hounds and whatnot, but also a kid's event, right? Nothing. Nobody said anything. So if Craig Council actually gets paid by Mark Amnasio, at what point do you have to lower your sword or at least acknowledge the fact that when it matters, Mark Amnasio pays? That's the, that's the part that I think is missing from so many fans when things go the way you don't expect. You can't like admit that you're wrong or you can't admit that like you might be overreacting or you might not understand all that goes into the day-to-day of baseball. That's, the, that's what I want. And I don't want people to say, and there will be a lot of people who will be like, well, they're not going to pay for free agents now because they're giving council $10 million. That will be, that will be what the new narrative will be, right? It's so fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. And I hope they pay Craig Council. I would be crestfallen if Craig Council is not the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. And you go with Pat Murphy or Carlos Villanueva or something else. I think it sends a absolutely horrid message to your fan base. And that's why I said it's an inflection point for Mark Ananasio. Because Mark Ananasio can either be the hero or he can be the villain. I hate to go Batman on it, but yeah, it's like if he brings back Craig Council and it's a four or five year deal, and Craig Council can then retire and be a Milwaukee Brewers manager for life, be, have a statue probably outside Miller, uh, American Family Field. That's, that's kind of what the stakes we're dealing with here. These are not low stakes at all. And I just don't necessarily see the succession plan. If they had a young, like, if, if they, it's, this is going to sound weird, but work with me here. If they had a guy who they thought was basically Jordan Love, right? That we can let Craig walk because we believe person X is going to be just as good as Craig Council. And I understand people are like, well, there's nobody as good as Craig Council. I, I, look, I get it. But maybe they think Jim Henderson, who's bullpen coach, former Brewers pitcher, Carlos Villanueva, as mentioned, uh, someone else, maybe one of the hitting coaches, I don't know. But they think like that guy is next and he can kind of take over this role and he can do all the same things Craig Council did. Then yeah, I don't pay him. You let, him, you let someone overpay him, quote unquote, which I don't think it's an overpay. But I don't know if you can. I really don't. How do you sell that to the fan base? 
How do you sell that to people like me who have been more supportive of Mark Ananasio? I think people think I carry his water. I don't. I just, I understand economics of baseball. I get what baseball is. It's the, it's the English Premier League. That's what baseball is. Baseball is the haves and have nots. People are like, oh, the Rangers spent the damn money. The Rangers are in fucking Dallas. Of course, the Rangers got a new stadium. The Rangers have a great TV deal. Of course they spent the fucking money because they fucking have it. People are so goddamn dumb with baseball. I swear to God. They, the dumbest fucking fans. They just can't comprehend there's no salary cap. So I, I look at this, and I, but, I, but to go back to it, if Anasio doesn't do this, man, who's really riding for him? Who's really going to say you got rid of the hometown kid? I just don't know if there is a price on that. So we'll have to see as the council turns and see what the Milwaukee Brewers do. Because I would imagine decision time is coming. And if, if it's the opposite, if they're not going to give Craig Council that contract, Brewers better have a damn good PR story to spin up because they're going to fucking need it. All right, let's talk about the weekend. Let's go over the lines. Uh, we did not do the betting show this weekend, obviously because we wanted to do the Marquette. Listens have been kind of light on Friday. So I, I don't know if you guys are out on the betting show, uh, if there's feedback you guys have on that. I'm more than happy. Maybe I'm getting too in-depth with it. Maybe we just need to talk about what we like out of the, the games and then just kind of go on from there. We have two. We have the Green Bay Packers against the Los Angeles Rams. The Packers are favored by three points against the Rams. The over-under right now is 38 and a half. The Packers, I believe, are three-point favorites because they believe Brett Rippon is going to be the starter for the Los Angeles Rams, not Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford has not practiced with his thumb injury. We'll probably know more uh, later today if Stafford's going to play. I think I would lay the three. I would even lay two and a half. I would not touch anything three and a half or above. The Packers are not good enough to be more than a, more than a field goal favorite against anyone right now. And you need to see one go in the hole. Now, Matt LaFleur has had great success against Sean McVay. You hope that continues. The Rams are beat up. And they're a team that they do not have a ton of depth, right? They still have some premier guys. But when they get hurt, they don't have a, a good cupboard. That cupboard is bare. They are like a college kid who is just going paycheck to paycheck and he's needing that next paycheck. And so they can really take advantage of what the Rams have injury-wise. They might not have Rob Havenstein, the former Badger, on the right side of the offensive line. Uh, it could be that that's where the Packers have the advantage and they're fully healthy. Uh, all 53 guys practice today for the Green Bay Packers. It's kind of the opportunity to actually look at the Packers for the first time in real form. And can we actually see what's up? But yeah, this injury report is pretty damn long. So you had no Stafford, you had no Havenstein. Uh, Ernest Jones has missed the last two weeks, the linebacker. Uh, Puka Nakua was limited in practice. Uh, Skronik was also, or no, he was full practice, excuse me. But like, yeah, I mean, those are all major injuries. Those are all major guys 
Colby Durant, another guy who's, you know, I think he plays a decent amount. Like that's, man, and he's limited. So we'll see. Uh, I think the Packers, this is just a must win for them. And face a Rams team that's coming off. They just played in Dallas. I, I think this is a great spot to back Green Bay. And I would lay the three. Um, like I said, would not do three and a half. No one, no one should the Packers be favored against at three and a half. But I, I do think that you could feel good about it. Daylight savings time curse is a worry. You have to worry about it if you're not a Packers fan. If you're a Bears fan, hanging on and listening and you want to take the Rams because of that, that is great. Um, and it's it's just not necessarily. Um, it, it's, not a, it's not a good thing. And the Packers, you know, need to sort of figure it out. The first half has been an absolute disaster uh, for Green Bay. Can't the, the hope is they'll get off the mat. I really hope that that's the case. I think if the Packers don't score in the first quarter, everyone's going to have a conniption. Everyone's ready to burn down the Packers right now. So I, I really, I really would love a double-digit win from Green Bay. I don't think they're going to do it, but if they did, I, it would be crazy because everyone would be like, "Well, Packers playoffs. Like they're going to face Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh will have a rest advantage. We just saw it, watch Pittsburgh on Thursday night uh, the following week." But, you know, Will Levis hung in there, and Will Levis has less starts than Jordan Love and was able to kind of hang around in that game, and they were able to run the football in Pittsburgh. And so I, I definitely think that there is areas of opportunity. And Joe, Joe Barry versus Matt Canada is going to be like two monkeys flinging poop at each other. So we'll just see how it goes. We'll see how, we'll see how that goes. Obviously, got to win game one. But if they win tomorrow or win Sunday, they're three and five, and they're right in this thing. And I know that sounds crazy. And I was thinking about that with Rasul Douglas. I was thinking about kind of the podcast and everything like it. And I'm like, can, do they really think they could potentially be a playoff team without Rasul Douglas? And I was like, well, they've, they've kind of made chicken salad out of chicken shit before with their safeties and their corners. And maybe they just think that there's a way to do this. I don't agree with it. I, I think they're t- terribly undersized. I know Karen Valentin's, I guess, going to be the first one up. But Rochelle and Nixon are both smaller guys. I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Be very curious. But I, I'm, even with Rippon, I'm very scared that Joe Barry is going to get torn up by Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. So we'll have to, to see if that actually does happen. And if it does, if we get beat by Brett Rippon at Lambeau, um, I, I don't know if I'm podcasting on, on Monday. I will. But, yeah, no way. Uh, I'm not going to tell you to do, what to do on the over-under. Uh, I will say that will be another stay away. My stay away lean, I was wrong again. Where I, you know, When we say stay away leans, it's like, I feel like I should go this way and I don't. And so I cost myself money. And I said the under last week. I'm going to say the under again this week. Uh, but I would not endorse it. So we'll see if we can get back in the win count. Packers cost us money every week. Uh, I, I ride the Packers. I'm like, yep, yeah, nope, not a stay away. <laughs> like, I'm like, yep, yeah, nope, where all systems go. Uh, but I think that's that's what you do. If you're a fan, you're, you're going to believe in your team and you're going to back your team. And I haven't, there hasn't been a moment where I'm like, ah, I don't know. Like, the, I, I will say, if, if we have to think when will the first moment of that be, it might be the Lions on Thanksgiving. That might be the moment where we're like, ah, I don't know. But who knows? The Packers are like seven and a half point dogs. I mean, then I'll talk myself into it probably. Uh, all right, let's move on to 
Indiana, Wisconsin. Uh, that is on 11 a.m. Big Ten Network. Probably a Matt Millen game, uh, which always is interesting uh, for Matt Millen. Oh, no line for Bucks next, so we're not going to talk Bucks next line. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, nine and a half. Uh, the Badgers are favored by the over under is 45 and a half. No word on if Chimray DK or Braylon Allen will play. I will make the assumption that they're not playing. Braylon Allen, a beast, right? But I do think you can beat this Indiana team without Braylon Allen. Indiana is one of the worst teams against the run this year. They are awful against the run. Their EPA, which is expected play average for running the football, is 84. Badgers are 21. The Badgers' rust success rate is three is the third best in all of the country. Indiana's defensively is 108th. Badgers can run up and down the field on Indiana. You saw Rutgers do it. Rutgers put up 31 on this Indiana team. And now you can be like, oh, the Badgers, you know, hurt from their loss against Ohio State. Are they though? Like, I, again, we talked about it on Monday. I felt like they hung in that game. They fought hard. And they're still in the Big Ten West race. Indiana, on the other hand, had a chance for a signature win. Had a chance to maybe start building some momentum for Tom Allen to save his job. And then they lost. And they blew it. And they played kind of chicken shit football at the end of the game. Now, Indiana does have to win out to make a bowl. So there is that motivation for the Hoosiers. And maybe this game, you know, turned around sort of their season. And it it is possible that Indiana could get in a bowl. They go to Illinois, then they play Michigan State, and then they have the rivalry with Purdue. So it's it's not out of this question. And then Brendan Storsby, their freshman quarterbacks, has been pretty solid to kind of start his, his career at Indiana. Like it's the last two games, he was really good against Penn State. You know, he completed 66% of his passes. Uh, 269 through the air at three touchdowns. But, you know, I, so I could see Indiana pulling off the upset. But I just think with the way the Badgers are able to run the football, even if Braylon Allen's not there and Jackson Aker and Cade Giacomelli, I think they run up and down on Indiana. And I think they cover the nine. I would take it at nine. Um, I would not take it at 10. But I, I do think I could see Wisconsin win this game by 10 pretty easily. They're a great team to throw in a tease if it gets to nine, where you can put it as a three-point team, three point tease. Uh, I I couldn't give you other teams. If you wanted to do 11 a.m. tease, maybe them with Graham Hurts in Florida, get Mertz down to zero, and that's not terrible. I'm going to stay away from the over-under at uh, 45.5. I actually could see it going over. I would lean over. Only because it's just, I think Wisconsin can score a bunch in this game. They don't have team totals yet up, but I, I could see the Badgers, you know, team total, whatever that team total would be. I think it would be, I'm trying to think if what would the, oh, they do have total points. Wisconsin's total points is 27 and a half. I like that. Let's do that. Let's kind of change it up. I'll take their team total over 27 and a half for Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin gets to 28, even without Braylon Allen. I, I just think they're going to be able to run up and down the field. And I think they can pass too. Like, Indiana, it's not like Indiana's – their success rate against the pass is 123 out of 132. They're, they are awful. They are a bad football team. And that's what made the Penn State thing stunning. I mean, the fact they were in the fight with Penn State, 
is crazy. Uh, but the Badgers, just the only thing you can't do in those 11 a.m. games is you can't come out sleepy. If you come out sleepy, that's when you get beat. That's when you end up being Maryland and you lose to Northwestern at, at home. Uh, Northwestern, I think, could beat Iowa this week, by the way. Uh, just a little food for thought there. Uh, but, yeah. Sorry we don't have any Bucks lines to talk about. I think maybe they're waiting on injury notice for that. But in-season tournament, uh, it's, we'll see if there is a line here. By the way, just food for thought uh, quickly. I know I said food for thought twice now. Uh, it's late. Spurs beat the Suns back-to-back games. I, I do Victor Wembanyama 38 points tonight. I do wonder if there is going to be a thread from a Suns fan about why Frank Vogel was the wrong coach. Is is it you know four games of the Suns or five games? Suns are two and three. They're one and two at home. Where are the threads? Where are the freakout? Where they gave 132 to the Spurs? They lost back-to-back games to the Spurs. Oh man, Magic! I had that's dumb. That's another story for another time. Anyways, Bucks are six and a half point favorites uh, according to ESPN uh, and two twenty seven on the over under. Do you just take Bucks overs until you, you until they stop? Um, they've played the Knicks really well um, the last couple of years. Uh, Giannis has just a complete matchup advantage against Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson and Hartstein. Uh, they they have no answer uh, for Antetokounmpo. Uh, Jalen Brunson probably is going to get his against Damian Lillard, uh, but I, I still think the Bucks will be all right in that game. I, I imagine the Bucks are going to come out, make a statement, ESPN game. They're going to show up for this. I don't worry about these type of games. I worry about Monday night against the Nets, you know, in in Brooklyn. Are they going to show up for that? I, I really hope so. So I, I have no I have no worries. I have no qualms about the Bucks. And I, but I do think if they lose this, man, oof. It's gonna get nasty. It's already nasty. A uh, lot of lot of hate, and just think it's overdone. You guys know that. I talked about that yesterday. If you didn't listen, you're new to the program. Go back and listen to that from yesterday. All right. Take care of yourself. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Have a great Friday. Stay safe, and we'll be back on Monday. Packers Rams recap. Badgers Hoosiers recap. Bucks recap. Get ready for the week for the Bucks. And yeah, that'll be Monday. Maybe a Craig Council decision. We'll see. Uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be back. And then we'll have the schedule ready for next week as well. All right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Bye.